Hello everybody, welcome to For The Record Podcast episode number 50. Woohoo, we made it. Um, sorry this is coming a little bit later in the day than I thought it was going to come. I am currently a bedridden. I got sick. I was very much hoping to wake up early this morning and get this posted and some things didn't work out and I woke up with a cold and a sore throat. So if my talking is in the, I guess, the bit of a lower register right now, it's because it kind of hurts to talk and uh, swallow and all that good stuff. So um, I'm a little bummed because this is such an exciting episode and I really wanted to be really awake and vibrant and all that good stuff, but um, I don't know. Things, things unfortunately don't always work out the way that you think they will. Some cases they will though, like the fact that we got this episode to happen. Um, episode 50 is with um, an old friend of mine. Uh, his name is Vic Fuentes and he plays in a band you may have heard of called Pierce the Veil. Uh, Pierce the Veil, I, I met Vic several years ago. Um, it was right before his band's breakout record, um, Collide with the Sky, came out. Um, I heard his band before from the first album. They'd been brought um, to my attention when I was going into high school when they came out with their first record. They were a fantastic group of musicians. I always really liked their sound. Um, and then I met him when I was doing some charity work with uh, the nonprofit organization I run called Project, the Project 143 Foundation. Um, and we started to collaborate. He and his band, um, I had, I've jumped on the road with them before. I've done, um, they've done amazing, amazing stuff um, for Project 143 in the past. And they've been um, incredible friends, and I'm pr- I'm really proud to say, and and fortunate to say that I know them, and have been able to watch their continued success. It's been nothing short of amazing and exciting. Every single time they come through, and every single venue they play gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So, the guys announced uh, their fourth record called Misadventures, which came out back in May. Uh, fucking phenomenal record. If you have not heard it yet, please go and pick up a copy. It really deserves your time and attention. And I talked to Vic. Uh, it was either right before the album came out or shortly after it came out. I, I can't completely remember which. I think it was actually before it came out because they had just jumped on the road in June um, when they did a tour for uh, in support of the record. It was their first U.S. headlining tour in a long time. And so they did a, uh, excuse me, um, a, they kicked off a full-on headlining tour across the United States that's going on right now with Neck Deep and I Prevail, um, and it's called the Made to Destroy Tour, and we talk a little bit about, I brought up how theatric these guys are, and when you go see this tour, it's currently going on right now across the United States, it just kicked off last Saturday in San Francisco at the Warfield Theater for all those dates. Um, check out Pierce the Veil on Facebook, and you'll get their website, their Twitter, all all those important social media links, and you'll be able to um, go and see this this monstrous, uh, incredible tour. Um, and if you want to talk about theatrics, this is a band that um, really knows their shit. Um, and I pretty much am. I will always. I know that I have said in the past that I will always be like slightly biased towards them and everything, but at the same time, it's hard 
to they're just fucking great musicians they're just they're really good dudes which is insane they've been they've they've just been so incredible i know i sound like i'm just kind of rambling on and on right now and i i do apologize for anybody but it's just really cool to see your friends succeed and do things beyond their wildest dreams and do just incredible shit with your musically visually and and be able to get back to a fan base like even just hearing them talk about how they were setting up their meet and greets and setting up vip um packages and all that stuff they really give a shit about their fans and the people that work with them and just everyone all around it's i i just feel very fortunate even though i'm sitting in bed right now um trying to fight off a cold and kind of feeling like shit i just can't help but feel happiness and 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 this feeling of being just really proud of people that i have gotten to know over these past few years so without further ado i'm really excited um to introduce not only vic fuentes of pierce the veil on the for the record podcast but to introduce the 50th episode i started this a year ago um, so this comes out to about give or give or take an episode a week, an episode every two weeks of, of a year, and I had no idea what I was gonna do when it got this far. Um, I didn't even know if it was going to get this far. Um, I just don't know what to say. But thank you, thank you to everybody who's come on the show in the past, every publicist, booking agent, manager. Um, band member that I've talked to, um, as well as every comedian, every director and writer, and all these various people that I've been trying to bring on and make this a show that not only encapsulates music, but it encapsulates all areas of creativity. So writing, filmmaking, acting, directing, producing, um, uh, music, comedy, art, uh, writing literature, what, whatever the case may be, I know it's a rather broad spectrum, but it's these are all things that just fascinate me, and I hope they fascinate you too in the same way, and and capture the imagination in the way that they do for me. Um, so there you go. All right, here we go. Episode number fifty of For the Record with Vic Fuentes of Pierce the Veil. Enjoy, everyone. Happy Wednesday.
uh, the only reason they stopped was because he had put all these bags like in the street and shit, and like the cops were like, "You can't do that." And then they realized he was like yeah. some dude they know. That, yeah. yeah, he's like some like, like he's been arrested a bunch of times, sex offender, crazy, sketchy dude. There's really, this is like the worst area of San Francisco. Oh, every so time bad. you guys play, yeah. no, oh. he um apparently uh so the cops uh found where he was putting all our shit. It was in this like crack house, like like next door or something like that. So they literally had to go in with like guns drawn and like and like go into this crack yep. house and get our shit out. We were driving over here and there, um, she said there was a cop car that drove by us mm-hmm. and she was like, "There's a bunch of cops in the trunk of a car." And I'm like, "Oh shit, there's gonna be a bus somewhere." Yeah, <laughs> dude, it was gnarly. I wonder yeah. if my friend's a cop here. I wonder if she was <laughs> involved in that. Yeah, man. I mean, luckily we got I think literally everything back. So. That's but, good. Yeah. I'm I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, this yeah. is this is the, yeah again the worst area of the city. I remember <laughs> last time you guys were you guys had played here. There was some like weird noise outside of the bus, and then Mike was like, "All right, let's see who we got." And then he just starts peering out, and he's like, "Yep, that's a crack hobo." Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah it's lots a, of shit. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a sketchy spot, but yeah. All right. How have you been? Good, dude. Good. I'm really yeah. glad to hear it. Uh, yeah. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, really it's all good. Sorry it. it took so long to do. No, dude, yeah. I'm I'm glad I finally got you on the podcast. So, um, this is actually the and I did not plan it this way. This is just how it came out. This is the 50th episode. Nice. I've been doing this for a full year. So yes. it's been about one a week for dude. the entire year. So congrats, man. Yeah, I'm happy to have you on. So particularly given your schedule and how crazy everything yeah. is. Yeah. Um, going, but literally it's just a conversation like we're cool. gonna chat for like just 20 30 minutes about just whatever shoot the shit right. and then cool. i've got i mean i have little questions for you and things here and there but um stuff and also me just complimenting profusely because it's <laughs> just kind of my general nature especially with you guys um uh, thanks, man. but um i did have a question for you about misadventures and uh-huh. the album you just and that whole album um Having come off of Collide with the Sky and having finished and done that record and going through, like, every time you came back through town and anywhere around the country, it would just get, every venue would get bigger and bigger and bigger. You guys were solidified as headliners on Warped and all that stuff. And it just, it was so cool. It was, not, one, it was fucking awesome to watch. But <laughs> after finishing that record and then going in for Misadventures, what was kind of the mindset into that record where you could look back on Collide and go, what did we think of this? How are we going to go into the next one? What, what, yeah. like, what was, I guess, the general thoughts around Collide after the whole circuit had been done? Yeah, well, Collide was such a building record for us. It was our breakthrough record I, by far, you know, like, easily. And um, I think for us, it was it was cool because um, it sort of gave us a little guidance as a band as, as to um, maybe a possible direction of where we should head it take our music because we had so much success with it so like you know we're the kind of band that like is very eclectic and writes like a lot of different styles and stuff like that and like yeah so you know we look back at our other records and it's kind of it's almost like we kind of um found the sound with collide a little better and and uh so it it was cool to have that as like a, a bit of a guide for the next record to be like okay well a lot of this worked you know we we really liked how this worked out and um and so we kind of like use that as a jumping off point to um, you know continue exploring, but it, it was nice to have that um, you know bit of guidance from the beginning. Definitely, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of variation. I mean, I've noticed a lot of variation on all the records you've done, where it's never been 
you, I've seen you guys do tours with just straight metalcore bands, and then you'll go and do something with All Time Low because mm-hmm. you're, you're all, you've always been one of those bands, kind of like a day to remember, where you can work within a number of different genres because there's never something so specific. Right. What was, I mean, did you guys ever have any hesitation about, like, we have to sound like one genre. Like, what do, what will mm-hmm. people think of us if we go and play like a song like Circles versus a mm-hmm. song like Boy Who Could Fly, where it's very heavy? Or, yeah. Like, was there ever any hesitation? Uh, no. It, you know, honestly, I, I think that's my actually my favorite part about our band is that we have a lot of freedom to do. You know, like you said, we're not, we're not like strictly a metal band. We're not like a pop punk band. So, um, it gives us a lot of freedom to do kind of whatever we want, and and that's. Um, that's all I want, you know. Yeah. I just want to be able to write whatever kind of songs I want, and uh, obviously, you know, like you want your album to be cohesive, which is um, always a challenge. Was always our biggest challenge and our biggest like flaw was like, how do we control this madness that we keep control like, chaos. yeah, how do we control it so that it doesn't sound like eighteen different bands? So it sounds like one band, you know, and that that's actually the biggest challenge I think for us um, growing up was. You know, I always had so many inspirations that I wanted to put everything into one song, and yeah, and, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. So like, that is actually the challenge is was actually, um, uh, you know, honing in on on songwriting and and like, kind of like, giving the listener something that they can understand like a little more, because um, while also not sacrificing, you know, like too much. Yeah. But um, but yeah, you know, yeah. Very nice. That's good. Um. When did you, this might be kind of a, I guess it's a more specific question, but um, when did you first start songwriting? Like, mm-hmm. if you, as far back as you can think of it, and how would you say, maybe, like, I, I guess a little bit about, like, wh- maybe what you've learned as yeah. a songwriter. I'm always curious about songwriting stuff, because totally. it's such a fucking crazy puzzle <laughs> to watch yeah, yeah. people come up with stuff. Um, I probably started uh, with my best friend Curtis Peoples, who I have been I still write with. Oh yeah, today, yeah, I saw know. that article on AP. Yeah, yeah, so Kurt and I, we you know we, I grew up with him since I was um, like in like kindergarten, and Jesus. so we started playing in a band together when we were like fifteen, and uh, um, and so we I, I was a guitar I was just the guitar player for that band. He was the lyricist and singer, and so I started off just writing like riffs and songs and stuff like that and, uh, yeah. musically. In the beginning, um, and then when I started like a punk band with my brother, um, that's when I became a singer and started messing around with you know lyrics and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I, and it just sort of progresses, you know, from there. You know, you start. I started off just writing like kind of copying like bands like Pennywise and you know nice. singing <laughs> about like. You know, we need to unite. You know, this is like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like stand up for what you believe in. You know, like very like that kind of that vibe. Scene. That's what I was into, and so that a, a lot of early stuff started like that. And then when I when we first started Pierce the Veil, for, Pierce the Veil was the first time I actually like actually uh, delved into uh, my own real thoughts and emotions and like things inside of me, not just like general like you know pump you up things. It was actually like person, yeah. personal things. So that w- and and it felt really good and it felt good to like write about personal things and and uh, um, and I think from then on it kind of just uh, progressed from there and but yeah it it was always it always kind of like changed you know as as as, you, as of course it will from when you're a kid but yeah very nice um, was it true that because I I read this so long ago I have no idea if this is true or not was the first record to play for their dramatic was that just 
you and Mike? Or was mm-hmm. that... Okay, that's what I thought. Okay. It was, yeah. We um, we wrote that album together before we had met the entire band. It was an interesting situation because we got signed to Equal Vision Records in New York. Um, like, a, it was a completely different band. The first time we got yeah. signed <laughs> was actually, um, you know, different members, and it was a whole new band, and... Um, that our old band it was called Before Today and we got signed out of, oh, shit, out of that's right I yeah so that. we got we got signed out of um, I was in college early years in college Mike was just out of high school and um, so that's how we got signed and then we broke up after one album and basically the the biggest blessing I think of our lives ever between me and Mike was the Equal Vision Records said hey I know you guys are the songwriters you're the core of the band we're gonna keep you on our record label and you're gonna start a new band and uh so, you know, thank God that they, they gave us that, um, that opportunity and they trusted us to make a new band. And uh, so, yeah, so we, we made an album. We recorded it in Seattle. We lived in an RV in front of the guy's house. And, <laughs> and we recorded it over a summer in Seattle. And, uh, nice. and then after that, we had an album on our hands, so we had to build a band. So we um, tried out guitar players. And Tony and Jaime were in a... Um, in a band together already, so we just kind of formed, joined forces, and nice. started this band. Yeah. Very nice. Um, I have, to, I do have to agree with you on the whole Equal Vision thing. I've mm-hmm. always been. Th- I mean, they're always really good about picking their artists and about who they did. So mm-hmm. I thought you guys were good. But when, when did you like? What made the jump to Fearless then? Like, what inspired you guys to kind of do that? Um, well, our contract was up with Equal Vision, okay. um, and we had, you know pretty much the world in front of us of whatever we wanted to do and um, it was it was probably one of it was one of the hardest decisions of my life um, was moving on from Equal Vision because they're such great people and um, you know they had given us so many opportunities and started us off and but um, it was just one of those things that we've kind of felt like um, we needed to grow as a band and feel like uh, and wonder if there's more out there you know for oh, us yeah. and um, and uh, so we kind of just took a leap of faith, you know, with Fearless, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was just it was just sort of one of those things. It's like we, our band had gotten to a point where we felt like we weren't sure if if we we kind of were just stuck in a point. We we didn't we weren't like getting bigger. We weren't getting smaller. We were just kind of like there, and we we're just like, well, what is it? Why why are we not what taking that, that next piece? step? Where do we what do we do? And and sort of it was just sort of a um, a judgment call just to be like let's try a new label and um and see if um you know if it takes us to new heights and uh, and whether it was a label or, or or us or the songs or whatever i don't know what it was but um you know it, it seemed like the right decision and, I, and i'm glad we did it you know definitely yeah i think one of the things that i because we we've never really I don't know if we've ever really talked like this long in person before because we're always kind of running around and yeah, doing yeah. stuff. But I've always been really curious about the theatrical part of your guys' show. Mm-hmm. I have like there have been times when I've seen you guys before and you just have a very theatrical like opening track that's running over mm-hmm. like on the very first little club tours you guys did. It was like I think it was like the ice cream cone was your yeah, guys yeah. design. And then all the way to like when you played with the Spring Fever tour where it looked like a fucking Tim Burton movie. Yeah. When you walked on stage. What did, did you grow up watching like crazy movies, anything like that? Like, where did that kind of play into your music? Um, I think um, I don't know. From the beginning, I I was super, 
yeah, I was, I might as well have been, like, a theater kid, I don't know, like, I was just, like, really into, like, I, you know, I remember when I first started, I think maybe the one you're talking about, I had some of my actor friends, like, actually, like, record some acting things, and we, we, uh, Panic at the Disco actually went on later to actually nail this idea that I was trying to do you back then. you ever see the Nothing Runs the Circus tour? I never thing? saw it, and that was what I, but it, that was very similar yeah. to what I was, like, trying to do. I wanted to have, someday I wanted to have actors on stage and, like, yeah. acting out while we're playing music, and, uh, we, we've yet to do that, but, like, um, I don't know. I just always thought that, um, I don't know. We, I think we're just into entertaining, and, and it's a whole other life besides recording and um, touring. It's like this other creative outlet that oh, you, you know that you can exercise. And and once we joined with Tony and Jaime, it's like uh, Jaime especially has been a has been a big help as far as production. He's he's very uh, talented in. Um, recording and he does all of our our um anything that we need as far as like sampling or or creating a a show i didn't know that yeah jaime is the one that does it all nice. and like you know we'll be like all right dude we need some sort of rumbly intro <laughs> with like a creepy howling wolf and you know and, <laughs> and he just goes to work and does it you oh, know yeah. and uh, and um he, we've really like perfected the the art of it and and gotten gotten to know each other's strengths and stuff and and they're all they're also super into disney um and and Same. yeah and disney <laughs> is like yeah a lot of the times disney becomes like one of our main inspirations for creating some sort of set nice. it's like you know especially tonight on this made to destroy tour it's so like to it's this. like w we basically sometimes ask ourselves like what would you know what would they do you know like what kind of attention to detail would they use yeah. um because they're you know they put you in another world, and that's kind of like what we want to try to do with yeah. shows. So you guys have always been really good. I mean, even without like you're saying how you wanted to bring actors on and try mm -hmm. to do something. Like that. I mean, even without that, it looks like that, that fucking tour. I think I think it was the Spring Theater tour where you guys the curtain dropped and then the thing started spinning. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. oh my god, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I was waiting for Edward Scissorhands to walk around the corner. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, we we do take a lot of inspiration from movies as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember I remember something about Jaime. He the first time I went out, the, well, the only time I went on tour with you guys, mm -hmm. when we did that summer on Warp, my, I remember two things. I remember one, my phone went off and it was the Star Tours ringtone from yes. Disneyland. And Tony, who hadn't said a word to me the entire time, was like, I hate your phone. And I was like, why? <laughs> He's like, because I hear it and I think I'm there and then I realize I'm not and then I'm sad. And then he just turns back to his phone and I'm like, all right. And that was the only thing he ever said to you. <laughs> <laughs> he talks more now, which is cool. Um, but then funny. Jaime was like, are you a Disney Are you a Disney nerd? And he's like, we, we all are. And he's like, look. And then he like pulls back his hair and he shows me like his tattoos. And yeah. I'm like, oh, he's shit. Making all right. ass yeah. behind his ear. Yeah. yeah. Were you ever so – I know that like – one of you guys is really into Disney, another like Harry Potter or Star mm -hmm. Wars. Was there ever anything that really caught on for you, like maybe nerd wise or? Anything uh, like that? Uh, I'm not as into the, the Disney as, as they are, but I like. Yeah. I mean, I like like, I'm more of a comedy guy, you know. Like I like whole classic comedies really? and stuff like that, you know, like Wayne's World and. Hell yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I I grew up on. You know, a solid group of movies like Goonies, Jurassic Park, like Favorites. Wayne's World. All those, all those were like my bread and bro butter, and I still kind of like, you know, live by those. But um, yeah, I don't know. Nice. No, those are, those are great movies. Yeah. I'm I was a big movie kid too, and yeah. still am always discovering stuff. I saw the Goonies um, with a friend of mine. They had this theater in Oakland, 
I still, I'm actually not sure if they still do this, but there's this, I think at the Paramount Theater, they would do these like $5 movies, but they would hold it in like a massive theater like this. And then they would run like an old newsreel from like the 1950s and <laughs> do it like, there would be like an organist and where it's at. And then they put the Goonies on this like massive 3,000 cap screen. Nice. Yeah, they do this thing in LA. Um, it's really cool. At the I think it's at the Hollywood Bowl, where they um, they'll play like ET or something like that, for yeah. example. And there's an orchestra actually. Oh like, yeah, the movie. yeah. There's some cool stuff Dude, that they've done. I've yet to see one of those. But yeah, they look awesome. They did yeah. the Little Mermaid there once because yeah. I know someone who went and um, the girl who voiced Ariel came and performed. Oh uh, no! So, way. Yeah, it was everybody was like, holy shit, That's what is sick. going on? Um, this, the symphony here actually does that. I got, I like saw something and it was, um, God, who was it? Um, I saw the Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, shit. Um, in concert. No and way. They, yeah, so they run the whole movie and then they have a symphony playing Dude, along with it in perfect time. That's so bad. Awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. And then I think they did like Ratatouille or something or something. Okay. That's another good movie, so. <laughs> yeah, I need Hell to yeah. see one of those. Does touring ever get like tiring for you guys or like boring or like, do, <laughs> like how do you, I, I did two days, and I yeah, was yeah. like, I think I'm okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> Not that I had any problem with you guys. I was like, I um, my bed. <laughs> I don't think it, it doesn't get boring, but it uh, it will get tiring if you push yourself for too long. You know, like like by the end of the Collide Record Cycle, we were dead. Like we were like literally just planking like on the floor. That was just, like two like, years straight, right? It was uh, well. We toured for four years on it. Oh my god! You know? I didn't so, know that. Oh yeah. So like it was because it was such a building record for us because we started off with nobody really knowing us. We were still opening for bands, and then all of a sudden something started breaking around like the middle of the record cycle, and then by the end of it, we the band had grown, you know, um, immensely, and uh, so we kind of just had to keep touring on it, and uh, because of the growth and. Uh, but yeah, um, I think physically, you know, you you know, your body goes through a lot, like being yeah. um, flying a lot and traveling a lot, and, and uh, um, but uh, but yeah, it's always exciting though, and um, I think on this record, since we did take so long to record this album, that we were off the road for longer than we've ever been in, in our career, and um, and so getting back on like this tour and the the little tours that we've been doing recently has been like. Like um, so fulfilling, and it, it's like almost like this part of your life. Like fifty percent of my life was not there anymore, and um, yeah. so now um, it, you know, it's it feels better than ever to be to be back. On oh board. yeah, it feels feels like that part of my life just was missing. You know. Oh yeah, I mean, it, particularly when you, I mean, four years you've done something for so long, and then mm -hmm. you're away from it for even longer, and you're kind of like, mm -hmm. all right. Yeah. I miss this. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, what, I guess, in terms of, like, I mean, you guys, you did a world tour for this, for that, for Clyde, right? Mm -hmm. Where, where did you go that you were maybe, like, the most shocked, like, wow, I didn't mm -hmm. know that there was, like, a huge fan base or a scene out here? Yeah. Because, I mean, I just, I can't imagine how big the world um, is at this point. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, uh. I mean, we were really surprised to see that we had so many fans in Australia. Um, awesome. We didn't know that there would be fans over there, you know, and we did Soundwave Festival. And um, I, I think whenever you, just whenever you go out of country, it's always mind-blowing if there's five kids there, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like you have no, you know, <laughs> it, it's just the reach of, of the internet and stuff now. It's just, it's yeah. just been so great to, um, 
to spread the word of your band and and uh yeah man it's it's always um very humbling and very exciting to see um you know how different cultures react because they all everyone everywhere you go has a different vibe you know oh yeah um so you know you go to scotland and it's just mayhem like craziness you know like the the scottish people for whatever reason tend to go more nuts than like the people in the alcohol wherever (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) could could be could be that the drinking age is like non-existent but (laughs) (laughs) but, uh yes you know different it's it's cool seeing like the different cultures yeah hell yeah man that that, that's the one thing i would say that i'm very envious of Mm -hmm. in terms of people who tour because they like i don't know if i could ever be away from home as much doing Mm -hmm. that like i can do like trips and do Mm -hmm. like weekend trips and things like that but like i can't even imagine what you guys do like it's (laughs) insane (laughs) yeah i mean it's definitely like home is not I mean, for a while there, I didn't, I, I lived with our booking agent for like three, four years of our touring, um, where me and Mike just shared a bedroom, like we shared, oh, wow, yeah, we okay. had two beds in this one little room that we rented <laughs> with uh, Dave Shapiro, and uh, um, so, you know, um, our life was, you know, based around touring, mostly. For sure, but, definitely. Yeah. All right, well, we're almost, um, we're almost done with. Uh, again thank you very much for coming on it's it's been really you guys have done like so much when you're in a position where you could just be like no (laughs) and I sincerely I can't thank you enough and I'm proud to call you a friend yeah dude well you've always been so sweet to us such a a, uh, genuine person so we appreciate it thank you so much (laughs) Um, well so we'll wrap this up these so whenever I do an artist like a musician interview whether it's print or for a podcast like this or whatever it is mm-hmm. I close with two questions it okay. just it always just kind of stuck and they were very I think maybe I watched Almost Famous one too many times I don't know what it is oh, but um, the first question is um, and particularly aimed with misadventures mm-hmm. um, what kind of message if you guys have one would you like fans to walk away with after listening to your music mm-hmm. uh, after listening to mis- misadventures um, I guess uh the message I mean I mean I guess well each song has has so many different stories that they all have different stories and I, I just hope that they can take each of those each of those stories and um, and I don't know somehow related to to their life in any way um, I think that's uh, the biggest thing about about music is that it's so objective and uh, it can mean anything to you and it'll mean something to me but it'll mean completely different things to you and um so uh yeah you know i think um i think as long as they can take something from it um whether you're a musician listening to the guitar work or you're a singer listening to the singing or the lyrics it's like um you know if they can appreciate some of the elements i mean i think when we were recording it i remember because we worked super hard on this record and we put a lot of our a lot of our lives into it and I remember yeah. even the producer Dan Cornett put just as much as I did into it and I remember yeah. sitting next to him like as we're mixing this record after you know year of working on it um, you know him just looking at me and just being like dude I hope people appreciate this this all this shit that we're doing right now yeah. <laughs> and I'm like and I would look back and I'd be like dude I think they I think they're going to you I know like, you know what I mean and uh, that's kind of like what drove us you know so uh, yeah definitely and the last question is what does music mean to you? 
music was moving to me. Oh, that's such a that's an almost famous <laughs> that's an question almost famous for question. sure. Um, let's see. I guess um, I think music for me is uh, you know it's something that was rooted in my family. You know, it's where my dad taught me how to play guitar. You know, so it's sort of um, sort of in our blood and. Um, to me, it is uh, something that c can never be judged by yeah. anybody, you know. It's mm -hmm. and because it's, it's, uh, you know, it, it is. I I truly believe that it is an art form. You know, some people will try and tell you like, oh no, it's a craft. You know, yeah. you're you're just getting better at it. You know, um, and and of course, you you know, you get better at like uh, producing and, and recording yourself and stuff like that. But I, at the end of the day, I think music is you know a song is a painting you know I compare it to like you know um, how do you know when your painting's done you just you just know you know it's like oh, yeah. how do you know when your last brush stroke is made and um, uh, you know I'm sort of like a hippie in that way that like, I think of it as, <laughs> no, it's as cool. very soulful yeah. and uh, and I and I try to protect that you know in our music um, you know uh, in a in a world with uh, uh, a lot of people trying to turn it into a, more of a business than anything, and then I try to keep it more of an art form. And uh, um, yeah, so that that's that's something that I try to really keep the value of, you know. Awesome. Yeah. Well, dude, <laughs> you did it. I, All right, brother. I'm, man, fuck yeah, that was awesome. That yeah, was really man. great. Thank you so much. Thank dude. you, brother. Of course, thank yeah. you. <laughs>